This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. What is your next mission from God? We all have one. God has something in mind for us right where we are. Welcome to Your Next Mission from God with Julian Durko, where the saints show us how it's done. They've been through it, and sometimes they even got it wrong before they got it right. Based on Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, Julie shares unique stories from the lives of the saints to show how they searched for and discovered God's will for their lives. There's something really exceptional about a person who gives their entire existence to a single quest. And if that quest is a mission from God, then we would call that person who says yes to the mission a holy quester. And that is what St. Joan of Arc was. We think of St. Joan of Arc, we see her holding her banner on a horse with her armor on, and oh yeah, she she led France in an army and... But few of us really know the story, and it's compelling. It's a great story, and so full of the real raw human emotion that she went through, everything that she went through. It's it's amazing, and I want to share it with you. So she was just a normal girl in France in the early 1400s, and at that time, France had territories within it that were being occupied by the English, The French were kind of apathetic. They had lost their will to fight. It seemed through politics and um, lack of leadership, et cetera, that the trajectory was that, you know, France was going to eventually be ruled by England. It was just a matter of time. And there was just this, this apathy about it. And that was kind of the condition of France at her time when she came on the scene. She was just a farm girl. She helped uh, with plowing. She could do needlework. She played with friends. She was just a normal girl. Her family, they were devout. They raised her to, to know her prayers and things like that. But when she was young, just a young teen, she had heavenly visits. And they came as voices and then on occasion would appear to her. These voices and these visions were from three saints, Michael the Archangel, Margaret of Antioch, and Catherine of Alexandria. And it's interesting because Michael the Archangel, you know, he's the warrior. You read in Revelation how he throws Satan down at the end of time. He's going to, he's going to, you know, end the battle there. And Catherine of Alexandria was from the early fourth century. And it was before Christianity was legalized by Constantine. And she was a martyr and young. She was in her later teens when she was martyred by Maxentius, the guy that Constantine ends up defeating at the Melvian Bridge and then ushers in the the Christian empire. And then Margaret of Antioch, too. She was from the early fourth century during that time of persecution just before Christianity was legalized. And she was young, too, as well. So we've got two 
two martyrs who could have escaped martyrdom. Both of them could have escaped martyrdom and didn't. And then Michael, the archangel. So these are her voices that give her instructions. And what they tell her is, you know, that you need to drive the free France, drive the English off French territory and, and become your own nation again. And, you know, the truth is she didn't probably didn't even really know what that meant. She was just a farm girl. But anyway, these voices instructed her and they gave her and they would speak to her interiorly sometimes, too, because she would know what to do at certain times uh, because they would tell her. So she had this quest to, to free France. What a thing. And not even knowing what that meant. She couldn't, you know, ride a horse. She didn't know how to handle a sword or any of that. So this is what makes this such a miraculous story because she obediently does what the voices ask. And when she first goes to the Dauphine's commander, now a Dauphine is the name for the oldest son of the rightful king of France, the next one in line, basically. Well, he wasn't crowned king because the English were there, but he was the next one in line. His name was Charles. And so uh, she needs to go to him uh, through a commander. So she goes to the commander, tells him that God has sent her and that she needs to to speak with Charles and that he should be crowned king and that we're going to drive the English off French territory. And uh, this commander, you know, he sends her away. First, he threatens to, to give her to his men to rape her, but then he decides not to. And he sends her away and says, your dad should give you a good whipping. Well, that doesn't deter her. Her voices compel her, even though she's telling them, I'm so unqualified. I can't even ride a horse, you know, and they compel her and she goes back. And because she has mystical knowledge, uh, she's able to predict a battle outcome the commander takes her seriously and he does send her to Charles and Charles hears about her and he tries to trick her up by disguising himself. But when she enters, she knows who he is and they have a private conversation. And after the private conversation, he really knows who she is. He knows she's sent by God. So that opens all the doors for her. And she is given a charger, which is a military horse trained in military. And she practices at arms and she's, Everyone's astounded at how good she really is. She's obviously having help from heaven, truly. But she she's before long, she is leading battles, driving the English from French territory. And on more than one occasion, because of the apathy of the French, on more than one occasion, when they're in an active retreat, they're retreating. She grabs the standard, which says Jesus and Mary on it, holds it high, takes her charger and, and, and goes in by herself. Well, then everyone follows her and they, they turn an active retreat into a victory. It's just amazing. And so, it, you know, she's not shy about the fact that God sent her and people, the, all these men, they start following her and, and she's got a good army and they're being very successful. The only explanation for her success is divine intervention. It doesn't make any sense otherwise. But one of the things that I think is very interesting is that there were some political things going on here that, that actually lead to her martyrdom. And what the English want to do is they would like to have her killed, of course, but they want her discredited. They want the world to believe that 
all her successes that were so amazing that they were from the power of the devil, not from God. So when she's captured, they hand her over to an ecclesial court so that the church can try her because if the church can find her to be a witch or to, or to um, be in league with the devil, then they can really discredit her. By this time, she had put Charles on the throne. He was crowned king, and it would then undercut uh, the legitimacy of that crowning because if she was in league with the devil. Anyway, once she's captured, this is how it works. I thought this was so interesting. Whoever captured her, she would belong to them or their feudal lord. So you're captured if you're a political figure, you're held by a feudal lord who then asks for a ransom. And so then the English government or the French government could ransom you. And the French government for six months refused to ransom her. Charles, who she had put on the throne, didn't. I think that is just terrible. His advisors had convinced him that she no longer had God's favor and that she was in league with the devil. And so he didn't, he didn't ransom her. So she ends up with the English who give her over to um, an ecclesial court so that her trial would discredit her claim that God had sent her. And so that's kind of how it all comes down. But one of the beautiful things about Joan is that she really was single-minded. She was really motivated towards the mission and she cared so much about the souls of her men. You know, in those days, well, in a lot of, lot of different periods of history, bands of prostitutes would follow armies, you know, and be there available for the men. And she drove the prostitutes away at the point of her own sword. You know, she got rid of them and she, she would, she would talk to her troops and she would um, make available confession and, and mass. And she would have everyone uh, confess and go to mass before battle. She didn't allow, even if it was strategically look like the best advantage, she wouldn't allow an attack on Sunday. The only time that they ever fought on a Sunday was in a purely defensive way. So you know, she had this faith and faith is contagious. And that's why so many people were willing, were willing to follow her. She would proclaim, I am sent here by God, the King of heaven, <laughs> you know, and that that kind of uh, magnetism was really, it was really compelling and her successes. So one of the things that happened to her in this ecclesial court, there was a bishop and he really had it in for her. He had a vendetta against her because, well, her army had driven, he was, he was with the English and her army had driven the English off of French occupied territory. So he was, he was driven off of France, you know, so he had this vendetta against her and, um, she was supposed to be in ecclesial court. She was supposed to be held uh, by the church, would be held by in a convent and looked after by women. But he broke that law. He held her in an English prison and her captors were men. Uh, they slept in her room. She was always in fear of being uh, raped and she was mistreated. She had chain around her neck and chain around her, her ankles and everything like that. And she just was treated quite unfairly. And she really, she told him that, that she was going to her death because of him. And she warned him about being her judge. And she said, you say that you're my judge, but be careful. 
because if you judge incorrectly, you'll have God to answer to. The way she spoke is described as simple brilliance. Her answers were always simple, brilliant, to the point, and always focused. But one thing she was afraid of, she was really afraid of being burned. She was fearful of that. She even said she would rather have her head cut off seven times than to be burned. It was the one thing that she was most afraid of. And so after being in prison for a year and being mistreated, and you know, I just described to you how it was for her, she did sign a retraction. Her judges had decided that she would burn at the stake if she didn't retract her statement. So she did. She signed a retraction because she was afraid of being burned. And then she took it back. She could not displace Jesus in her heart and as king of her life. She couldn't do it, even if it meant burning. And she was scared to death of it. And, you know, when somebody is a quester and they're really on fire with love of God and they've got that single-minded mission in mind to do his will, no matter how strange or unconventional it might be to get the job done. You know, that's a threat to Satan. And he cooks up the, the most horrific ways to kill people. And he did for her. She was scared of it. But, but we know, you know, we know that Joan was burned at the stake. And um, her last word was Jesus. They held a crucifix high for her to see. And she put a cross next to, next to her skin and then and was looking at the crucifix and she was praying and imploring everyone there to pray for her as as she was um, being led to to the stake. But the important thing about Joan is to take from from her this one thing. She said, yes, her fiat was complete. I mean, yeah, she found she floundered once. Under those conditions, I don't know who wouldn't, but she floundered once. And of course, when she she corrected herself and, and went to death for the Lord. But her yes was, she was all in. And when we say yes to the Lord and we're all in, he does amazing things. And he did amazing things with Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc, pray for us. Thank you for joining me today. It's been a privilege to be with you. My hope and my prayer is that you will say yes, like Joan, and that I will say yes with everything and all that we are so that we can carry out the mission that God has for us in our life. Pray with me now. Jesus, Mary, Joseph, we love you. You've been listening to Your Next Mission from God with Julie Omdurko, produced at the studios of Mater Dei Radio in Portland, Oregon. To listen to this podcast, visit materdayradio.com. To find out more about Julie's book, Discover Your Next Mission from God, Saints Who Found God's Will and How You Can Too, or if you're in need of a Catholic speaker for a parish mission, retreat, conference, or event, visit catholicfinishstrong.org. That's catholicfinishstrong.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary Media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.